From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. President Obama's last budget was released on Tuesday, and while most of the $4.23 trillion document will not make it into law, it still sets the stage for a year's worth of spending battles between a lame duck administration and the Republican Congress. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Budget and Economics Editor Jane Norman. You know, I remember the days when we used to trudge in the dark over to the government printing office building here in Washington and pick up a big old stack of budget documents. Now it's all on disk or on password-protected sites. How did you get this thing this morning? Well, for the benefit of the press, it was all online protected by a password. So we never saw a book, actually, uh, before writing about it. You can still buy copies of the budget, but uh, we didn't use that. We just we used a password-protected site until the budget came off of the embargo at 11 a.m. So walk us through what happens after all the Republicans declare the spending plan dead on arrival, which they're doing right now. There are hearings on individual agencies' requests, and then what? The House and Senate will each write what are called budget resolutions. The House will write its own resolution. The Senate will write its own resolution. These will be adopted by the full chambers. I'm I'm talking in theory. Sometimes this doesn't actually happen. But in theory, each chamber will adopt a budget resolution, which kind of sets the parameters for how they're going to deal with spending this year. In a separate process, the money will actually get doled out through what are called appropriations. There's 12 different bills for appropriations. Each of these also will have hearings and make its way through Congress. So potentially three different budget plans and a dozen different spending bills. That's right. It's it's a complicated situation and one that probably will end up not resolved this year. So let's go through some of the highlights in what Obama is proposing. Uh, We have that familiar combination of tax and spending changes that tend to get rejected year after year by every Congress. Uh, This particular document calls for $375 billion in health savings. They're talking about modifying payments to private Medicare Advantage plans, higher deductibles and co-payments for seniors' home health services. Um, Some of this would replace the sequester, the mandatory cuts that were established in 2011 by the budget law, right? Yes, that's right. And as you recall, those budget cuts were intended to rein in federal spending, which a lot of people thought had gotten under control. Obama this year is proposing $2.9 trillion in deficit reduction over 10 years, over a long period, that $2.9 trillion. He proposed items such as spending reductions, he would end some tax breaks for the wealthy, and he would overhaul the immigration system, although none of us is probably going to happen. By getting these savings, you could roll back a portion of the sequester cuts, not all of them. And the president's proposal would restore about 63% of those sequester reductions through the year 2021. And you know what? A lot of it would come from health savings, Adriel. Right. And he's talking about cutting the deficit by about $950, billion over 10 years by using tax changes? Yes, that's right. He would close so-called loopholes for high-income households. He would limit the value of itemized deductions to 28%, and he would put in place the Buffett rule, which is named for Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha. That requires millionaires to pay at least 30% of their income in taxes after accounting for charitable donations. Obama also wants to raise the top rate on capital gains and dividends to 28%. 
and he would put a new fee on big financial institutions. Now, the defense part of the budget sticks to the spending agreement that Obama reached with Congress last fall. But that isn't enough for the Pentagon to keep up with inflation, right? No, and the, and the Pentagon's advocates would certainly tell you that right away. In the president's budget, there's a doubling to $7.5 billion of what would be dedicated to fighting the Islamic State. And the Pentagon also wants to put $1.8 billion toward the purchase of more than 45,000 more satellite-guided smart bombs and laser-guided rockets. On the other hand, though, the proposal would cut some previously planned purchase, purchases, um, like the Air Force F-35 fighter jets. On the other side, on the domestic side, there's increased funding for the moonshot to cure cancer that we've all heard about a lot that Vice President Joe Biden is leading. He's been all over the country talking about that. And the EPA would get a little boost in spending to continue a new focus on climate change and air pollution programs and on something that's been of much interest to a lot of people after Flint, Michigan's experience, fortified drinking water standards. Going through some of the other titles in the budget plan, the Homeland Security Department, which has been caught up in the bitter fight over immigration policy, would basically see little change in spending, even though the perceived threats seem to keep rising. There is money for new Border Patrol agents and more than $2 billion for Immigration and Customs Services to maintain detention beds. Uh, on another front, the budget calls for an overhaul to the Department of Housing and Urban Development's core rental assistance programs and $11 billion over a decade to combat family homelessness. And the document also calls for cuts to community development block grants. And then there's education. Uh, the budget calls for $4 billion in mandatory funding for states to increase access to computer science classes for kids in K-12 through and other science and math coursework. And it would consolidate some higher education tax benefits with the goal of improving access to college, which has been a repeated theme for this administration. So with so many friction points apparent already, uh, we'll obviously come to some sort of an agreement before Election Day and it'll be kumbaya all fall? Oh, if only it could be, Adriel. Uh, no, uh, at, at, on the other hand, we feel like things are already breaking down and getting very bitter and partisan. The two chairmen of the House and Senate uh, budget committees uh, have absolutely refused to have the administration even come up and talk to them about uh, President Obama's proposed budget. They've said they've had enough of his budgets that don't accomplish anything, and they're not interested in hearing in it in any more from him. And Democrats have pushed back hard against that, as you could imagine, said it's just unprecedented. Uh, in more than 40 years, they've never heard of a Congress refusing to hear from the president. So that's certainly setting the tone for what we're going to see the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, this is for people outside the Beltway. This is a, a breach of holy Washington etiquette, and it gives you kind of a sense of the, the level of distrust between the executive branch and the legislative branch. Yes, it really is, and it's going to color everything that goes on for the next, well, until President Obama leaves office. Well, CQ Budget and Economics Editor Jane Norman, we'll let you get back to work. We could keep talking about details of this document for days to come. Until next time, this is Adriel Bettelheim. Thank you for listening, and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts for iPhones on iTunes and for Android on SoundCloud.